So uh, you're still pregnant, right? Go F yourself. Welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, parenthood, publishing, and marriage. I am and Barry pregnancy. and pregnancy. <laughs> I am Barry Liga. You just heard the pregnant voice of Morgan Baden. How <laughs> you are know, you? I, I'm okay. I'm hanging in here. Yes. So this is our first episode of the new year. Yep. And happy New Year. Happy New Year, belated everybody. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we would have had an earlier New Year's episode, but the way the holidays fell this year, everything was on Saturdays. We typically record on Saturdays, and uh, it just didn't work out that way. Also, we're just really lazy. Well, you're very pregnant. That's correct. And lazy. I've been pregnant for a long time. It's been like 20, 30 months. <laughs> Something like it's that. It's been a long time. You were, in fact, pregnant with this baby before we had our first kid. <laughs> That's how long you've been pregnant. He kind of feels like that. Yeah. Now, but I am full term. Yes. Uh, so any minute now. Literally any second. Like we're waiting. Like yeah. I'm very careful. I've got some boiling water and towels nearby. <laughs> Scissors. Scissors, just because that's what they always have on the TV shows. Um, I am prepared. Listeners, you may hear a baby being born on this podcast. I doubt it, but it could happen. I do just want to say I, I would like to give you a shout out, Barry, because... Me? Yes, because... Um, you, at the risk of sounding really like cliche and silly and emotional, you are so wonderful and supportive when, I, I mean, all the time, but particularly when I'm pregnant. <laughs> so thank you. Well, you're welcome. I, I mean, you like cart me around. I haven't driven in, I think, a month. I have a wheelbarrow that yeah. I put you in. Actually, <laughs> it's, it's more like a Hannibal Lecter sort of uh, <laughs> hand truck that I wheel you around in. No, but you just, you know, we, we moved from a... a single floor apartment to which is where i was pregnant last time right to um a four four story house yeah that's a lot of stairs so i pretty much have limited you sort of myself. plant yourself in one area and just and stay, I stay there. there all day yeah um so anyway so thank you for for being awesome of and incredibly course, supportive of course i know i mean i do it now because when the kid comes i'll be no help at all well that's so, true. <laughs> i mean let's face it yeah. It is a weird thing for those of you who don't have kids. It's I didn't realize it until I had to live through it. But the baby is glued to the mom for, um, I mean, almost literally 24-7 yeah. for the first, what, eight weeks? Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, obviously, if you choose not to breastfeed, that's not the case. Right, right. Um, I know people who, who did not and, and uh, you know, they had a different experience, but... That's a decision that that we made. Mostly you made. I mean, <laughs> I support the decision. Obviously, I'm a fan of that. I think that's great. But yeah, it does mean that for yeah. the first couple months there, um, you're you're just attached to that kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so yes. Yeah. So you're getting all your um, your support in now because <laughs> because then all now, it is, is you're going to be free. You're going all, on vacation. All maybe. it is then is me rolling over in bed occasionally and going, "Hey, good job nursing the kid. Good night." <laughs> I mean, I remember with our first kid, with Leia, um, like, there were times I would stay up till, like, one in the morning just reading. You would, yeah. Yeah, you know, because uh-huh. I didn't have to get up. Yeah. Like, I could get up at, like, 9 or 10 in the uh-huh. morning. I mean, I my sleep was interrupted course, throughout the yeah. night. But I didn't have to get up at any particular time. It will be different this time because I'll yeah. have to get up to take care of Leia right. uh, in the mornings yeah. because you'll be tending to Luke. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it yeah. is true. I, I should also say... I'm one of the very few privileged people who has a stay-at-home partner. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I... I often think... I mean, I, I said this the last time, uh, you know, I, I, I 
don't understand how people can do this. I don't know. Not, not even taking into account the piss poor maternity leave right. policy in the United States, but the, the paternity policy yeah. is just as bad for the most part. And I don't understand. Yeah. I, I, you know, at the point where most fathers are going back to work full time, I felt like I was just sort of hitting my stride in terms of adjusting to the baby and helping out. Yeah. So, you know, that that's an interesting. Yeah. Interesting it's a whole different situation. ball game if you're yeah. um, if your partner goes back to work after a couple of weeks. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so let's get into this. Let's start off with controversy. Let's do it. Um, this is old. I think 2017 is the year of controversy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um so this is old news by the time we are broadcasting, but I want to, I want to talk about it. Simon & Schuster has signed a deal with uh, Milo Yiannopoulos to publish, I guess, his memoir. I don't even think it's a memoir. It's, I don't know, or is whatever. it just a, a book of filth? Probably the okay, latter. Okay, so a, a book of filth, let's call it. Um, for those of you who don't know, Milo is... Uh, He's perhaps well, he, most well-known for being the person who harassed... Leslie Jones off of Twitter. Yes, so badly. I was about to say that yeah. he is he is uh, what today they are calling the alt right. But, you know, our grandparents had a better name for them, which was the Nazis. Um, he's not a good guy. He's a jerk. He's a tool. Um, and Simon My... and Schuster is giving him a quarter of a million dollars to spew his dreck onto paper. Can I say my absolute favorite thing about the story? Yeah, I think the only silver lining, the only the only part that I chuckled in amusement at is the fact that in his first book, which I believe was either independently published or self-published, um, there are multiple instances of him plagiarizing Tori Amos lyrics. <laughs> in addition to like Britney Spears and some other musicians. But wow. as, a, as a huge Tori fan, I saw that headline and I was like, of course, of course, right. this is what his first book was. Well, let me tell you, when I publish my book of filth someday, it will be nothing but plagiarizing Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> uh, so h- how do we feel about this? You know, the, the publishing community got up in arms about it. There was talk of boycotts and things like that. And then pe- cooler heads prevailed and people realized you're going to hurt legit authors <laughs> if you just refuse to buy anything from Simon & Schuster. Um, Although there are, I, I don't know if you're aware of this. I just saw this today that um, a list of SNS authors have... Um, signed a petition and submitted it to the publisher. Yeah, I was going to bring that okay. up. Um, there is a petition from some SNS authors. Um, it, it's a complicated issue, it is. It is. unfortunately, because it seems like situations like this seem like they should be simple. There is an objectionable person saying objectionable things. We should do everything humanly possible to punish that person and the people who are making mm-hmm. it possible for him to get to his audience. Uh, but it, it it, it's more complicated than that. It is. And I think for people who don't work in publishing, it's important to note, number one, um, the role that imprints play here. Right. Uh, and how we've talked before about how every imprint has its own personality right. um, and its own genre of books that they publish. Um, and every major publisher has a conservative imprint. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, many have religious imprints, many have liberal imprints, et cetera, et cetera. So um, obviously, this book is being published by SNS's conservative imprint. Um, I understand all that from a business perspective. I am still one of those people that is pissed off. Sure, sure. And to me, it, it raised the question to me of, you know, when when uh, Donald Trump finally leaves the presidency, whether that's before four years or after, <laughs> fingers crossed by, for before. By his own will or by not. Yeah. Um, you know, it is a tradition in this country that presidents write their memoirs. Yeah. And they are published. And... 
you know, there's a part of me that doesn't want a publisher to give this guy a voice yeah. to, to publish what are basically lies at, at best half truths. Yeah. On the other hand, I feel like it is a document that history needs. Right. You know, what, what is Donald Trump's opinion of everything that just happened? Yeah. Um, we know it's none of it is true, but it's important that we have it written down, that we have his words. And I sort of came to the conclusion that if I were a publisher, I would try to cut a deal with him whereby I would give him a small advance, but I would promise him huge royalties, like 50% royalties, like an unheard of level of royalties, and then do nothing to promote the book. <laughs> um, and just let it sit there. Publish it to silence. Um, and, you know, the, the, problem, the problem with some of these things, too, is like this book from Milo is going to hit the bestseller list. It just is. Yes, I do. Because the, the trolls who support him will go out and buy it in droves. That, that's what happens. That's what happens with people like Ann Coulter. I, yeah, no, people, I know. people who have nothing but rage and, and disgust on their side, they have a large enough audience that goes out to buy these things. None of these people will read these no, books. No, of course not. They're just but they go buy them to support it. yeah. them. It's the same way Scientology. Of course, you know, yeah. All these things. But I'm, I'm thinking, and I feel like we broached this conversation when the deal was first announced, $250,000 uh, and any, uh, that's a lot of money for sure. average person. I would person. happily take that deal. Right. Um, for a book like this, it's not a lot of money. It's not. For somebody who is who purports to be a major political and cultural figure. It's nothing. That is it's a joke. No, that's not a lot. I mean, you know, we've talked before on this show about Mindy Kaling and Tina Fey getting I mean, Amy Schumer millions, was like 13 million or something like that. Millions yeah. of dollars, seven figure, eight figure uh-huh. deals for these books. Um, and, and, you know, sorry, these are people who tell jokes for a living. This guy, you know, was instrumental in helping elect Hitler. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. And he gets a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. So I, th- I think my point there is um, part of me thinks that that's an indication that the imprint doesn't have a huge amount of faith that this book is going to do well i i hope that they don't and i hope that they're right of course, of course. <laughs> um you know I, I i can only say i mean the, the major thing that i have to say about this whole situation is i'm glad i'm not an sns author yeah uh-huh. honestly <laughs> i'm just i mean seriously yeah. I, i'm being a little bit facetious but not not by much i'm just glad i don't have to think about this and worry about this yeah yeah and certainly if you look at the you know i'm glad i'm not their social media manager oh god if if you look at the five publishers I've worked with and the the two more coming online in 2017, which we will have announcements hopefully in the next episode, um, if if you look at all those publishers, I'm sure I could find really objectionable, hateful books that of they course. have published uh, that that would piss me off and annoy me. But I just don't know about them. Yeah. So, but also uh, th- where I come from is this just feels different. The yeah. stakes right now are so much higher. So. Like, I am personally affronted by the fact that they are publishing this book because we are literally dealing with the potential collapse of American government. Literally, that is what we are dealing with here. And for SNS to be like, here's a book by the guy who is helping facilitate this. Like, I F you, SNS. That's a lot of letters I just said right there. F-U-S-S. Fuss. (laughs) There you go. There you go. That's the hashtag. That's the hashtag. (laughs) Hashtag fuss. And I feel, again, I understand it from a business perspective, but I, like, I just feel like the world has changed and I don't care about your business. Yeah. All right. We're going to stick with... Clearly, I'm never getting hired at (laughs) SNS, FYI. Fuss, (laughs) FYI. So, 
sticking sort of with the same general topic, but but hewing a little more to writing and, and to myself, let me let me talk about myself for a moment here. Um, I am doing something, doing what little I can to help. Yeah. Um, you know, I love this idea. after after the election, there was a lot of what can we do? What can we do? And of course, you know, every day you can't go on Twitter for 30 seconds without tripping over a call to action. Call your senator about this. Call your representative about this. Boycott this place. Send an email to that place. So, so on and so forth. And I'm happy to do all of those things. But I wanted to feel like I was doing doing something, not yeah. just calling places. Because honestly, I've called our representative's office a few times, and I don't feel like it achieves anything. You know, they say thanks for calling, and then they hang up. But last week it did. La- last week it did. Last the week ethics it did. committee. The oh. ethics committee stuff. Um, but what I decided was I'm a writer. Is there any way with writing I can help? And beyond the sort of general... Beyond just writing... Like writing is important anyway. Right. For lots of different reasons, I guess. So what I came up with is every month for the year 2017, I am going to publish a short story on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, iBooks, all the usual places. Um, I'm going to publish a short story and... Every dime that I make, every penny I make will go to the ACLU. Every Bitcoin you make. Every Bitcoin I make. You know, these will be available overseas, too. So every pound, every, every farthing, <laughs> every lira, every, every, every unit of currency that I take in from these stories will, will go to the ACLU. Uh, the stories will only be up for one month. So if you want them, you got to get them in that month. Acts quickly. There's, there's scarcity here. Uh, the first story is up. It's January. January mm-hmm. story is up. It's called The Ghosts at 95. It's actually a story I wrote many years ago that I then never did anything with. And now I'm doing something with it. Yeah. So these stories will go up every month and uh, they will all be $1.99 each. And that's it. And, and I hope that everybody listening will we'll do two things. Number one, I hope you'll go buy these stories yeah. every month. That's the, that's the big thing right there. Because if nobody buys the stories, then no money goes to the ACLU. Uh, the other thing is tell people about it. Spread the word. Tweet it. Tumble it. Facebook it. Snapchat it. Instagram it. What am I missing? Pin. Pin it. Um, Goodreads it. There you go. Um, you can even... So hire a skywriter. Hire a skywriter. You could even... In a face-to-face conversation with another human being, talk about it. That's a little I crazy. I you on that. I know. Yeah. It's a little crazy, but, but you could do that. And, and um, you know, I'm not going to make any money off of this, um, but it's, it's the one thing that I can do with, with the, the collection of meager talents at my disposal. So Well, and what I, what I want to say, too, is, um, A, I love that you're doing this. B, I feel like there's been a lot of these um, – well, there's always a lot of sort of random uh, – charity promotions like this by authors and by other people. I'm seeing right. people um, who are creating knitting pink hats for the Women's March later this month. Oh, cool. And donating some proceeds to Emily's List and to Planned Parenthood right. and things like that. And a lot of people uh, push back, I think, and say, I should just send my money straight to that organization. And like, A, you should be doing that anyway. Sure. But B, in this case, um, A, it's only $1.99. And B, like, you're getting a short story. Yeah. And if you're going to donate the $1.99 to the ACLU, you may as well get something out of it. Right. So. And, and I should point out, too, that that 
I do have a standing monthly donation to the ACLU. Right. So this is not my own. This is something I'm doing in addition to right. that. Yeah. Just as if somebody else is already donating, yeah, for $1.99, they can make a further contribution and yeah. they get something and for it. They exactly. get hopefully a short story that they like. Yeah. Um, you know, and if you buy all 12 of them, you've got a nice little collection of right. Barry Liger short stories. And it's a, like I said last time, it's a nice distraction from the state <laughs> of the world right, right. now. Right, right. Is to escape into a good piece of literature. So I hope that people will will participate in this. It's been a little bit frustrating in the first week that a lot of people have retweeted and shared the story on Facebook yeah. and have really spread the word, which is lovely. But um, looking at the sales, I can tell that if everybody who had retweeted and shared and liked and favorited and all that had actually gone out and bought the story, we'd be a lot further along than we actually are. So it's not enough to just tell people about right. it. You actually got to buy easy. it. A, a like, a is, like easy. is easy. And, and, and actually doing something and is not quite as easy. So, uh, Although Amazon and Barnes & Noble and all those guys make it pretty darn easy yeah. to spend your money. So, so go, go buy it, guys. Yeah. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. So before we move on, a quick bit of business. Sure. Still pregnant? Let me check. Yep. All right. Just making sure, because, you know, it could happen any minute, so. <laughs> All right. What are you reading right now, oh, pregnant one? This is actually really funny. I just finished a wonderful book that is not something I would have ever bought or even looked at twice. Okay. I bought it for my mom for Christmas, hardcover, which mm-hmm. I never do, and it turns out um, after I'd already ordered it, my sister was at my parents' place, uh, this was a couple of weeks before Christmas, and sent me a text saying, FYI, that book you bought mom is sitting here on our coffee table, so I don't think you need to buy it for her. And I was like, oh, man. So, um, so I was like, all right, I'll just keep it for myself. I'm, I, I'm not really a fan of returning books. So I kept it, and I read it, and enjoyed every freaking moment of this book. You were laughing a lot. It was. I read passages aloud to you. It was very amusing. And it was exactly what my brain could handle right now. So this book is Superficial by Andy Cohen. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, um, Andy Cohen is the executive producer of all of the Real Housewives shows and hosts Watch What Happens Live, among many, many other things. So sort of a towering figure of high culture. Basically, yeah. yes. Um, probably partly responsible for the election of Donald Trump, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Although he himself is not a Trump fan. Um, But he contributes to the environment. He does, does indeed. Uh, And as uh, there were some funny moments in the book where uh, he has met Gloria Steinem a few times, and Gloria is not a fan of any of the Real Housewives programs and calls them minstrel shows for women. Uh, to his face, and um, and, you go glory. And, and I don't disagree with her, <laughs> right. but it is something I, I do watch some of them. And uh, anyway, so it was a really enjoyable read. Um, and part of what I really inspired me about it is that he ke- legitimately keeps a diary. So the whole book is in diary format, obviously edited in, in certain ways, but uh, it's pretty in- detailed, and I was really impressed by that. Because A, a a lot of people don't do that, and B, it's something I've always aspired to do and have never done. Now, you and I have a um, five-year journal, sort of, that we got when we were first pregnant with our first daughter. I gave it to you as a stocking stuffer that Christmas. Did you? Oh, that's funny. I didn't remember that. And the idea is it's just like five lines a day. um, and Well, the way it works is each page is one day. 
and has space for five years yeah. where you can write like maybe two sentences for each one. Yeah. And then that way, as you write in it, you can look back over the years of that same day and see what was happening. Which yeah. is really cool. We don't write in it every night, but um, we do at least probably two to three times a week. Yeah. Sometimes much more than that. But it is it is really cool to sit down and like just last night I was writing something that our kid did. Um, it, it's neat to mark those little milestones. Right. And then I could look back and say, okay, on this day last year, this is what happened. And on this day the year before and on this day the year before that. And it's really neat to to see that kind of stuff. So um, so anyway, so Superficial by Andy Cohen. Super enjoyable, lightweight read that I really laughed and laughed at. Uh, and also it inspired me in terms of um, keeping diaries. <laughs> do you think you'll do some sort of personal journaling now? Uh, Were no. you that inspired? No. no. Okay. All right. <laughs> do you think that you will try to start a reality show yes. about vain, superficial women? Yes. Okay. All right. So I at least you get at least that. you got something out of it. <laughs> How about you? What are you reading? You You're know, actually reading. Yeah. Well, since since uh, since the last episode, I, I mentioned an author named Timothy Hallinan, who I just rediscovered. And uh, I sort of went on a binge and read like four or five of his books in a row. Um, and so the one that I just finished the other day was called Skin Deep, which was back in the 90s, the third book in his in a series of his about a particular character, but the first one that he wrote. Huh. Okay. And it was, an, it was interesting because he talks about how he wrote this one first and he gave it to the publisher and... They were ready to publish it, and they had signed him to like a three book deal or something like that. And while they were looking at that, he finished the second one, okay, and gave it to them. And they said, "Oh, we like this one more. Let's make this oh, the first one." Funny. He was like, "Okay," and they said, "We'll make this the first one, the second one." And then, and then he finished the third one, and they liked that one so much they made it the second one. Oh, that's so crazy. the first one that he wrote was the third one, and it's weird because the continuity's all screwed up. You know, wow! Like they didn't even bother to have him tweak it to make it fit into the flow. That's really weird. Yeah, so that was a little strange. Um, But um, I I read that and uh, and I enjoyed it. But I think I have binged enough, and I'm going (laughs) to move on to to something else now. Probably just in time for the baby to come, and then I won't have any Any more time time to read. read. Yeah, yeah. So um, one last topic before we go. But first, (laughs) still pregnant? Hang on. Yeah. Man. He's never coming. He's never coming out, is he? Just, well, he wants to hear the rest of the podcast. He's going to stay in there forever. <laughs> I got to say, the other day, he was, like, moving around a well, lot. he's always moving well, around. I know, but he was doing it a lot. Yeah. And, like, from across the room, your belly was, like, undulating. Uh-huh. It really looked like something out of Alien. Yeah. Like, I really was expecting a xenomorph to just pop out. Felt like it, too. It was really, really weird. Pregnancy and childbirth are weird and so creepy people. So crazy. Just, ugh. Anyway, so last topic. I've actually, this has been in my on my list of topics for a long time, probably a year. Wow. Um, and we just never got to it. And it's something I wanted to bring up. And that is... Uh, there's a guy named Stu Stevens who was one of Mitt Romney's strategists in 2012. And uh, and I was listening to a podcast where he was talking. It's, uh, the podcast was Candidate Confessional, uh. which was a, a Huffington Post podcast um, where they had losing political candidates come on and talk about their campaign, why they lost and what they learned and all that. And it was really fascinating. Yeah, I listened to the Wendy Davis one. Yeah, I mean, you know, they got some big names on there. Uh-huh. And then they had some tiny names. And actually, the tiny names, like there was a guy in Alaska who lost a state Senate seat by six votes. Whoa. And they interviewed him. And it was yeah 
fascinating. It was amazing. And you're like, who cares? State Senate seat in Alaska. Amazing. Wonderful, wonderful show. So anyway, Stu Stevens was talking to them and he said, the pain of losing is stronger than the thrill of winning. And I remember I was on the treadmill at the gym when I heard this and I stopped the treadmill so that I could write that down because it really stuck with me. And, and I think, you know, we've talked about this before a little bit. And one of the things that comes up a lot when I talk to authors is how easy it is to get knocked off your stride, Hmm. how you can read a review of your book that is wonderful and sings its praises but there's one thing in it where they go, oh, but this was a slight, miss. this was a slight yeah. thing. And as far as you're concerned, that's the worst review ever. Yeah, it's yeah. as bad as getting panned, you know? Yeah. And so I thought about that a lot and I really, I, I don't want to be this way, but, but I agree with him. Like mm. the, the, the pain of losing is so much stronger than the thrill of victory. It, you, you can just be destroyed so easily. And, and I mean, how do you feel about that? Like in, in your, you know, in your personal life, in your work life, in your writing, like, do you agree with that? I honestly don't know if I do agree with it. Okay. I mean, for starters, obviously, because this is a political guy who yeah. said this, I immediately go to politic politics. And yeah, I mean, the sting of, of this election is not, is unlike anything I've ever, ever felt before. Yeah. Um, putting that aside, I do think it's partly human nature to glom onto the the negative stuff, even in a sea of positive. Some uh, a girl I know on Facebook just liked something, so I saw it, uh, and it was a comic strip of um, a woman getting like tons of compliments. So it's like a couple of panels of her being just lauded with praise, and then the final one is uh, someone just saying like, eh, "It was okay," and then it's the next the closing panel is like her alone at night with. Um, you know, thought bubbles like, I'm a failure. I can't believe this happened, blah, blah, blah. And that's, I I feel like we've all experienced that where, yeah, 10 people say that was wonderful and one person says, eh. And obviously you can't forget the eh. Yeah. I know that was very eloquent. You can't forget the eh. Um, I I don't know if I personally am that affected by negativity or by like negative opinions of other people, but I'm also not, I'm not getting... My books reviewed in yeah. in trade journals, so uh, I don't know how I would feel. I th- I think it's just a constant struggle, yeah. uh, and and in particular when you sort of live any kind of public life. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, even even in the the very minor way that I live a public life, for example. I mean, we all live public lives now, right. but yeah. you know, um, it, it's just it's really really difficult. And you know, right now, for example, I have. There are, let's say, there are four projects that are up in the air right now in various stages. There is, um, I believe I've talked before on the show about a fantasy novel Mm -hmm. that is with my agent. There is something else that is with my agent. And then there are two projects that I'm 99% sure are go. Yeah. uh, Just basically waiting for the contracts Mm -hmm. at this point. And as soon as I have the contracts, I'll tell everybody about them because I'm very excited. Um but so you'd think there'd be a balance there. Yeah. Like I've yeah. got four things out in the universe. Two of them are almost there. Two of them not, not sure yet. Yeah. And yet all I can think about is the two that we're not sure about. Uh, and there was a, there was a sort of a stumbling block with one of them the other day 
where my agent had sent something out and we got a couple of rejections. Um, this wasn't, she wasn't formally going wide with this. It was sort of testing the waters, that sort of thing. And, and I have to say that these rejections were probably the most praiseful and, and wonderful rejections I've ever gotten. I mean, they were very much had nothing whatsoever to do with me and it just had everything to do with sort of the market. Uh Um, and sometimes publishers will say that as a way of sparing your feelings, but I really, (laughs) they, they, they went to great lengths, (laughs) you know, you know, this was not a tossed off thing. So I really take them at their word that they felt the way that they did. Um, and so it's not like I did anything wrong. It's not like anybody said, oh, this is a stupid project or this (laughs) isn't, this isn't good. This isn't good enough to publish. Nobody said that. Um, but they're sticking with you. But that's all I can think about yeah. is is that. I mean, I think it's different with a piece of art. So it's one thing to like fight for a candidate or to try and win an election or to try to win a contest or to, you know what I mean? Or yeah. to win a race. With something like a piece of art where, where it's so intimate and such a personal struggle. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think maybe the stakes are a little higher there. And so any negative reaction or any decline on a project stings a little bit more. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. My wife just gave me permission to wallow in self pity. (laughs) (laughs) You earned it. Go ahead. I will be putting on my trunks and sinking into the self pity pool. All right. That's going to be it for us this week. We hope to be back next week. We'll see. Um, Still pregnant, right? Yep. All right. So if that changes, we probably won't be back next week. Uh, but I will post something yeah, when the time comes sure. so that everybody knows that we'll be away for a little while. Uh, but uh, we hope to be back next week. Um, we're going to take it on a week-by-week basis at this point um, <laughs> and see when this, uh, when this kid decides to come. And uh, other than that, please visit us at writinginreallife.com. Subscribe to us in iTunes. Give us a rating. Come on. We, we're going to have two kids. We need more ratings. <laughs> uh, and uh, follow us on Twitter at WIRL Podcast. And we will see you again most likely next week. I know Morgan's hoping not because that'll mean the kid has come. Yep. But we'll probably see you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.